Uh, hello, and welcome to Tales from the Hub World. I'm Jake. I'm Jesse. I'm Scott. And this is our first episode for for uh, Lore Dump. This is our, our Lore Dump series. So uh, Lore Dump is a series that we decided on doing uh, where we are going to talk about uh, specific topics. More importantly, we are going to have one person or two people or however many people in the call that are going to be uh, self-proclaimed experts on the topic. And they're going to try and, from the top of their memory, recite most to any knowledge they know about the series. And so the first series that we picked, because there is a movie coming out soon, and that would also probably be a solid episode, um, we picked the series uh, books. Artemis Fowl, I believe, is the series, is what they're called. That's correct. Yes. By okay. Owen Colfer, whose name is not spelled at all in the is, way it sounds. Is it, is it Owen? <laughs> it is Owen. It's pronounced okay. Owen. It's spelled okay. with an e, but it's Owen. It's Ewain? <laughs> That's what I thought as a kid for so long. <laughs> wait, wait, I'm sorry. He spells Owen like O-W-E-N. No, no. What? no, no. he does not. <laughs> no, he does e- not. No. E-O-I-N. Eoin. He's, it's, that's he's not, Irish. That's not Owen. <laughs> it is. It's Owen. That's not. Th- th- there's, the, there's a literal emphasis on in name Owen. There's a literal emphasis on the letter O. Owen. Yeah, it's a silent E uh, and an unsilent W. <laughs> <laughs> really, if you read uh, it out, it's E-O-I-N, right? It's a silent E and it's a long O and then in. Owen. I'm inclined to believe you because uh, in this episode for the Artemis Fowl episode, I am not the expert at all. I've, I, I, the only thing I know about this series at all is I recently, yesterday actually, just watched the trailer for the movie. And from the trailer, I understand nothing. Fun fact, from the trailer, I, who have read all of the books, also understand nothing. <laughs> Great. Yeah, in fact, I'd say if all you've seen of Artemis Fowl is the trailer for the movie, you actually understand uh, negative stuff about this this series of books. It actively misdirects you as to what the books are about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so Jesse and Scott are both, um, you both, if you want to explain your your experience with uh, this series, go right ahead. Yeah, so Artemis Fowl is probably the first long-form book series I ever read, really. I picked it up in... I picked it up it's long enough ago that I picked it up in middle school before I moved to Pennsylvania. So that would be 6th grade? Yes, yeah, 6th grade is when I first started reading Artemis Fowl. Uh, what year does that put this? This puts this something like 2006? 2005, maybe? That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, so I've kind of had this book series in some way, shape, or form for 15 years now, which I've never actually thought of, but I own all of them. I realized I didn't own them over Christmas and then decided I'm getting all the ones I'm missing. And so now I own every (laughs) single Artemis Fowl book. Like I said, this is just, it's the first long-form series I've ever gotten super into. Like, I watched the Harry Potter movies, I never read the books. Artemis Fowl, I read the books multiple times, each one cover to cover. 
And it also winds up being like one of the only authors who I could say, hey, I know that guy because he did this series. And then I also went on to read several other things he wrote. So I was not as into it as a kid. I was the classic Harry Potter kid. I definitely read them at least once um, when I was younger. Uh, it probably was longer ago than Jesse. Is that, I think it was, I, I would want to say I read the first one. Uh, when I was like nine, and then I read, I think whichever other ones were out by the time I was nine, and then I got reminded that the series existed a year or so ago when they announced that they were making a movie, and so I listened to all of the books on audiobook. So I would say I probably have more recent experience with the series than Jesse, but Jesse has more repetitive experience. Yeah, which is probably going to wind up being good because I can tell you right now, I remember very specific parts of the books, but there are definitely like gaps where I don't remember how thing A bridges to thing B. But there are def- there are things that left a mark on me, even as a kid, that stays with me right until now. Like over this time, over this time period, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about damn time heists. We're going to talk about the Sharingan <laughs> dimension. We're going to talk about. Oh, what else Miles is it? And like I say that as a joke, but that's not actually a joke. That's real. There's a fucking Sharingan dimension in one of the books where they spend a lot of well, time in. I, I I will be able to at least help in that regard a little bit. Um as as the resident Naruto expert, but um I didn't even know this series existed. Um like I as a kid, this 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 book series was never like I, I never heard of it. I I do remember reading like the Lion, the witch in the wardrobe and like the uh the the oh what is this c.s lewis like his series of books mm-hmm. but nothing nothing really else in that kind of vein at that genre so is this in the same kind of genre as um i guess the like like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, like uh, Prince Caspian and all that stuff, or is it more uh, mythological kind of uh, Percy Jackson? It's more of a mix of uh, I would say it's closer to the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in that it is very fa- it has many fantasy mm-hmm. elements, yeah, um, down to like classic fantasy archetypes and creatures like goblins, fairies, that sort of thing. But it takes that and it sort of, I think the, the quote that you'll see everywhere about it is that it's like um, the first, at least with the first book, it's like Mission Impossible with fairies <sighs> because the series ultimately revolves around fantasy elements with kind of like spy thriller almost or like gadget, <laughs> like James Bond-esque gadget right. shit, right? Yeah. But it does have the same sort of idea as Percy Jackson where uh, you take... Uh, this old lore, um, a lot of, I guess, probably like what Celtic mythology. It is there. Yeah, there's a lot of like, Celtic um, kind of stuff in there. Okay, and they, it's sort of like, you know, what if these fairies and whatnot existed in the modern day? Like, how have they sort of adapted? If that makes sense. Yeah, how have they adapted? How have they survived up yeah. to this point? It's it is very much that sort of Percy Jackson esque taking this old shit, making it new, but not like losing yeah, what it right. was. So so it's it's very much in the vein of selecting a certain 
mythology or something from past history and seeing how it adapts to uh, modern day society. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that is a lot of, a lot of the books is Owen Colfer. Uh, I really hope I'm pronouncing his last name right too, which will be a running theme. I, at least like Scott will correct me on a lot of the character names because I've only ever read them. I've never heard them right. before, but uh, it, it, he does a lot of world building uh in that he shows okay here's how these characters survive these creatures survived for so long but not be discovered by humans when it comes to the the fairy race and there's a lot of like really interesting little kind of curveballs he throws in there like how he explains leprechauns leprechauns as we know them are you know the little irish gold loving rainbow humping creatures right in artemis fowl it's it's actually more of an acronym. It's LEP Recon, which is which stands for Lower Elements Police Reconnaissance. Hmm. Uh, and so that's just like any any creature on the Lower Elements Police Force who would go up top and kind of you know scout for any escapees or any wrongdoing going on, so that sort of thing. And this uh, idea stumbled down to the humans back when they were. Like mud dwellers, which I think what they call humans every now and then. Mud, mud men, yeah. Mud men, yeah. Uh, and that, so that idea tumbled down to them, and they just caught Leprechaun and then made up this bullshit. Oh. So it does a lot of fun stuff where it takes the mythology that we know and just kind of twists it in a way that it's supposed to make us look stupid because humans are seen as stupid by the fairies, but it, I, th- I always thought it worked. I thought it was, I, I always thought it was a fun. It, it was. Of these, and, of these and things. you know, the, the classy luck, uh, the classic lucky, the leprechaun green hat. They said that was just the, the uniform back then. Yeah. That was the uniform at the time. They just happened to be wearing that stupid, like the belt buckle or whatever. Yeah. But humans, uh, latched onto that. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, and, and, and always and little stuff like that where they just well they'll they'll explain a lot of stuff about how things work. Um, other times they go into in depth. Okay, how do fair how do like the rules of magic work in the fairy world? Right. Why is it that you can't see fairies? Like they have uh, um, what the hell is it called? I, they have this uh, a handful of like tricks or spells really that every fairy, every underground creature knows conditionally you can like break the rules and you'll lose all your magic there's literally like a fairy yeah. bible that they had that they have to follow <laughs> and which actually i uh, to bring a, this a into strict the first book. code of fairy rules yeah no literally it is a very strict code of fairy rules if you break these rules so, you lose your magic so is this just fairy no odd parents? <laughs> i mean fairly odd parents with guns yeah uh, oh they're not really wish granting fairies no. though. They're more like 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 some of the spells I guess that they have. They have one called the mesmer, which is basically hypnosis. And the idea of being tied to a human child kind of pisses them off. <laughs> as as opposed to that being their sole purpose. The lower elements just they just, they just hate the humans. They really do. It goes into it and it gets into sort of like racism almost. Yeah, for sure. They fucking hate humans. Like it it's really hard to overstate how much they fucking And one of the biggest themes of the humans. whole series is how much they just despise being forced to work with Artemis Fowl all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great because because of the way things shake out, Artemis is the only fucking guy exactly. who could possibly help them. 
but they hate him because yeah. he's such a shit. <laughs> so introduce me in how the series would. Yeah, so I think that little bit actually leads into the first book very well, both with the idea of this Bible, this uh, fairy Bible that they have, and Artemis Fowl being a shit. Sort of a quick rundown on who Artemis Fowl is. He's the son of a crime lord. They're wealthy beyond belief, but his dad's gone missing, and he's trying to, A, find out how to rescue his dad or to find his dad just in general, and B, how to continue being rich as fuck. Artemis does a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of research. Because Artemis is a smart... I think he's... What is he, 12 years old when the series starts? 11, maybe? I, it says here 12, actually. Yeah. Artemis is 12 years old. And he is a genius beyond comparison, yeah. even in the world itself. So, I was I was going to ask... I did enjoy that there's a, a flawed main character here. Like, because you say he's a, he's a dick. So, you have an inherently not good protagonist at least in the in the first book definitely antagonist in the first probably also second book artemis not the protagonist at all he's the named you know main character but i don't want to downplay it calling him a dick is downplaying it artemis fowl is a sociopath straight up oh lord to skip ahead a little bit what he winds up doing in order to find out in order to you know secure wealth and find his father he f- he discovers sort of the existence of the fairies and it's that interesting thing because he's 12 years old he's young enough to believe in these sort of fairy tales but he's smart enough to exploit them and boy fucking does he um, exploit the very them. first thing he does in the series he finds this supposed fairy that has a uh, fairy book it immediately exploits that fairy's alcoholism to take the book away yeah oh <laughs> Oh my goodness. She's like an alcoholic fairy because she's literally, she's serving humans, which is just the worst. And you know, you've seen humans, so relatable. We suck. And so she just literally drinks her life away. She'll like grant some magic to some humans who ask for it with the very little she has. And then she'll just drink, you know, wine. Uh, So what Artemis does is he goes, hey, you have a book. I want to see. And she goes, you're out of your mind. He goes, yeah, you're right. Here, have this drink. She goes, cool, thanks. And he goes, by the way, what you just drank was holy water. This will kill you in about mm, three minutes. Jesus. We have a cure for it right here. Give us the book or you're going to die. And so guess what? She does. And he only needs it for like a minute because yeah. they just take pictures of every page. And so that's that's how the book starts. That's how the series begins. Just to set a tone for this character. So... What I gotta know is, since there is no, like, Artemis is the named character here, and you said he's not the protagonist in, like, the first and some of the second book, who is the reader supposed to relate to in this? At best, uh, Holly Short. Holly Short is a Lep Recon. Is she a captain at this point? She's not a captain, is she? No, I think she is a captain. She starts out as captain and then later in the series becomes... Oh, right, and then commander. commander. That's right. So yeah, your your best bet for relating to a character is Captain Holly Short. And because they give every single opportunity to make her a very sort of underdog character who you want to root for. She is the first female uh, officer on the Leprechaun Force. So she's got, you know, that whole, she's got that going for her. She's trying to fight the man, literally. Uh, she has the commander, Commander, uh, what's his name? Turn, what the hell's his name? I think Turnbull. Is it Turnbull? Sounds Root? correct. Turnbull? 
Yeah, Turnbull Root, who is he's excruciatingly hard on her specifically because she's a woman, but not in that sort of like I don't want to see you succeed. That sort of you have to succeed harder than anyone else to prove that this can work. Oh no! Wait, Julius Root, who's Turnbull Root? That yeah. uh, oh, oh Turnbull's yeah, his yeah, brother, yeah, you're right. I think. Yeah. So Julius Root. Um, and so Root, yeah, like I said, Root is a really interesting and good character because he is introduced as this one-dimensional angry commander dude. But as time goes on, as it's explained, you see, you, you read from his point of view as well. So you kind of see his, what he wants from Holly. And then you, not to like kind of marry Sue her, they give Holly a myriad of flaws where she consistently kind of fucks <laughs> up. And is punished yeah. for it pretty regularly. One one such fuck up is. Do they? Would you say they do the opposite? Uh, of of like Mar- of having her be a Mary Sue. Yeah, I would say. Especially considering where she ends up in this book. Yes, she is a hundred percent not a Mary Sue. It winds up, uh, Holly. You need to do a ritual in order to get your magic back to fill yourself back up with magic. You like almost literally like filling a car up with gas, right? You have to do the ritual. It's called. I think I don't remember specifically this, but it involves burying an acorn. Something about an acorn from a tr- uh, an oak tree under the full moon, like on the bend in a river or something. Yeah, something that's sp- designed to have you as connected to nature as possible, because all the fairies are very nature um, adjacent, and they draw their power from. The nature. thing about that though is that ritual is written in the book uh, that Artemis has stolen, so. What Artemis does yeah. is first he has to translate the gnomish text. Is that's the language all the fairies speak. He has to translate the gnomish text, which he's a genius, so he does it pretty easily. And then he figures out this ritual and says, Well, okay, if I want to get gold, and who has gold? Uh fairies. So he wants to capture a fairy and get their gold. Yeah, he literally wants to ransom a fairy for gold. Well, all these fairies to have their magic have to complete this ritual. So let me search the area in in Ireland and find this very specific thing where there's a giant old oak tree on a bend in the river. Inevitably, right. a fairy uh, will come uh, specifically by. on a full moon too. So he he knows when to lie in wait. He does that and he he sets up camp under some kind of reflective shield so that no one could see him. And he waits with his butler named butler butler named butler yep literally butler from the family butler they just wait there with a trank gun for a fairy to inevitably show up and holly short is the one that comes along artemis and butler shoot her and kidnap her and take her to their their house yeah yes your protagonist great great little kid yeah relatable um, so it's not it's not actually immediate <laughs> to the rest of the force that Holly is missing. So Holly is literally at this point tied up in a basement. Uh, and because Art, Art, Artemis having read the the book cover to cover, knowing everything there is about it back, you know, every single aspect about the book, Holly naturally tries to start, you know, doing some shit to him. Like, again, the the mesmer that I mentioned earlier, that hypnosis thing, even with very, very, very little magic, you can, it's a, it's a very easy spell to form. 
So she tries that, and Armus goes, oh, that's funny, you're trying to do the Mesmer. I have reflective sunglasses, it doesn't work. And this, like, mentally destroys Holly. <laughs> the idea that a <laughs> shitty little human, literally a kid, has discovered everything about her society. The The book winds up going on to, okay, the Lep Recon finds out, oh, not only is Holly missing, she's kidnapped. But this is a this is like such a high level issue that has never ever come up before so now they have to they had to get her so now they have to pretty much launch an assault on foul manor because the manor because like you know from earlier right. his kid's rich his family's rich but he also comes from a crime family so it's it's basically a fucking fortress it is entirely a fortress oh and so that also leads into the problem okay so this fortress is well defended but the fairies don't care because there's like well we're fairies he don't, he can't possibly know about everything we have except he does so at every turn oh they're trying to break into the house and at every turn they're getting knocked back artemis winds up taking holly's tech her gear like they're they have like a helmet that allows them to sort of see better and it also allows them to see past the uh oh what's it called what's this the spell where they cut uh, they're invisible to humans i'm not sure what it's called um shield shielding I want to say shimmer, but that's wrong. I think it is just shielding, yeah. And the idea behind that is they just vibrate fast enough so that human eyes can't detect them. So naturally, every fairy attacking the manor does that. But Butler, the butler, winds up getting it reprogrammed so that he can see past the shield. And there's this amazing scene where Butler walks outside with the helmet on while some of like the best uh, Lep Recon forces are about to launch an attack on the place. And they're just sitting there right like right in front of him going yeah well that's weird of him to stop right in front of us he definitely can't see us everyone has their shields up right and then butler beats the ever-loving fuck out of these poor little bastards and like to, to, to explain that as properly as possible fairies are all maybe three feet tall he, he's the he's giant like even by human standards and he's like Butler's a martial a arts expert so he just fucking kicks the shit out of these tiny children. Oh no! Basically, no. no. He's not a martial arts expert. He is like every martial arts expert. Fighting toddlers. Yeah. It's like sending Brock Lesnar after a kindergarten. <laughs> Butler's awesome. He's he's serving the wrong guy, but he's awesome. And this comes back a little bit later, uh, because they keep. They're launching more and more shit against Foul Manor, and they're really trying to avoid this one specific uh, solution, which is their final one, which is, bomb, yep. I think it's called a biobomb, which is literally a nuke. It is a nuke that destroys every, uh, uh, it, it, just, it basically kills anyone who gets caught in it. It's specifically designed to preserve, like like plants and nature yeah. it's designed to preserve nature but if a human gets caught in it they're gone they're vaporized no it's I, over. I think i think even nature any uh, living thing as far as i'm aware is it you might be right because that's like that's a bit that it's been a while I, I was gonna say that that seems like a very specific uh like bomb and i i understand that it's like there's magic and stuff but it, 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 i feel like it would probably have to focus on a specific type of element in a body so like maybe like all things that are carbon based get killed but i don't i 
I didn't take biology. Oh, you know what? I remember. So it's designed in a way, and because they do explain this, it's actually called it's called a blue rinse, uh, which they actually put the area they are going to bomb in a time stop, and anything that is effectively alive in the time stop that would be, which in this case would be like humans, gets evaporated. Plants, I think, I still think plants survive because they wouldn't, they really don't want to like fuck with it that hard. And because, spoiler for later, they do launch this biobomb and I don't think all like the trees and shit are destroyed. I, so I guess we also should have just given that as a general disclaimer. Uh, that's going to be a, there's oh, going to be spoilers spoiler. for the series. Yeah, because like, I, they're explaining it. They, they're, they're dumping their lore. Yeah. So uh, if you if you wanted to read Artemis Fowl or listen to Artemis Fowl uh, with an audiobook, then go ahead and do that probably nope. before you give, a, give us our views. We're better than the book. Yeah, before you continue, which is it's a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is about like 30 minutes in. This is a good stopping point for them. That'll give us our <laughs> listens. Um, yeah, go listen to it or read the books, then come back. And listen to us talk about it. Or if you just want to listen to us talk about it, then we'll explain it before the movie even comes out. We'll be ready for it. So I, I do have a question. And I, I think this will be my last question for a little bit until you guys get to some uh, more explaining plot points. This is more of a general how the book is written. Mm-hmm. Um, is how, how would you describe like most of the descriptor words? Like, is it is it very like uh ya yeah it, it is a young adult series it's a young adult series but it doesn't yeah. it's not like stupid young adults right where they're going to where it doesn't insult your intelligence it's actually i i'll say that when i read it as a 12 year old or however old i said i was i learned a lot of new words not a lot of it because it is uh it's written by an irish author so they use a little bit different terminology here and there but overall it's it's a young adult series that sort of punches up from its general audience in order to bring them up. Like it's very clearly designed to say, Hey, all these, if these kids are going to read my book, I'm going to teach them some shit. And even later, you know, I read them now. I'm, I'm how old am I? I'm like 24 years old and I'll read them. I'll be like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I'll Google and I go, Oh, it's definitely aimed at definitely teenagers, but it's not, it doesn't exclude, you know, younger, like, seven to ten or older you know, like yeah. we're, we're in our mid-twenties and yeah realistically i think but, so like yeah looking at the themes of the books those a lot of them do lean more adult like we like we just mentioned the entire arc of this book is that a child kidnaps yeah. someone to hold them for a ransom and there's a fucking which nuke. which he got this yeah he got the knowledge about this person from force, uh, forcing someone's alcoholism to an extreme level yeah like, like if yeah, you threw in a couple more goddams or fucks in this it would easily sell like you wouldn't have to change nothing else they even get around it by saying a lot of the fairy characters especially commander root they swear but they yeah. swear in their language <laughs> uh, specifically god what did how did they pronounce it in the audio version because i've always wondered that darvet darvet it looks like it reads like darvet darvet yeah yeah, that's the that's a word they bring up a lot, and whenever someone says it, the other characters are just like, "All right, all right buddy, easy, easy." <laughs> yeah, and that's basically book one. It's entirely dedicated to showing Artemis Fowl is 
a sociopath who will do whatever he needs to to succeed and will almost certainly should, be able to succeed. Should we try and get through the next seven books <laughs> relatively quickly? Yeah, I feel like that was allowed to be a little longer just because it's the first book. You got to introduce yeah, people. There's, there's a lot to, and that so you have to explain. Now, now we're, yeah. But now, yeah, but now, now we're just kind of throwing plot points out yeah. and that's it. And so, like I said, this book one, Artemis succeeds win after win after win after win, which is set up nicely so that for the rest of the series, he can start faltering very hard in some cases and mentioning how he does a lot of this because he has daddy issues and needs to find, he wants to find his dad. In comes book two, the Arctic incident, in which this is where that, that plot point really gets expanded upon and they actually try and really find him. This is where Opal Kaboy is interested think she directly wants to get Artemis involved, but through some... I I honestly don't remember a whole uh, lot of the Arctic so incident for some reason. Is this is the one where there's the the goblin uprising, right? Yeah, and so like they, they think that bit. Artemis okay. is behind it. That he's trying to attack the... I don't remember this book very well. So you said the goblin uprising. So are, are, are goblins... How how are goblins kind of described um, in this badly. series? They're, they're not described badly, but they're treated badly. Uh, they're they're these fire breathing okay. right. uh, lizard people, basically. Yeah, they're they're shits. They're they're really just just a bunch of shitty little assholes. So, so they're 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 kind of they're kind of like kobolds in a way. Kinda, yeah. Um, generally like organized with the biggest quotation marks around it. Crime. Like, they are organized crime, but they're bad <laughs> at it. I think there's even a line in the book that says, okay. one or two or three goblins are not a threat to anyone. But, like, you get five or more of them, now you're going to start getting into shit. From what my brain is telling me, there's not a whole lot else that happens in this. It's just the main important thing to uh, remember is Opal Kaboy is introduced and defeated in this book. And she's defeated in a way that causes her in- to go into a coma. Yeah. This comes back later. Uh, and I believe does. Artemis um, does wind up saving his father. I think that pretty much sums up that book. But I would say that the next one is actually significantly better. Certainly, I, I remember the rest of it anyway. I, I remember more of uh, the next book. This is the first book where Artemis really does start sort of being the hero. He's not a good guy It's yet, definitely closer. But he forms a tentative alliance with um the lep you know sort of a he helps them with the goblin uprising and holly will help artemis find his father and this is really the beginning of their not friendship yet but definitely alliance i was hoping you would say relationship because boy <laughs> yeah it does but boy is it fun and now we move on to the eternity code which basically artemis in his infinite wisdom decides well there's a chance, a slim chance, I'll forget about something. Ever. So he encodes, like, mm-hmm. all of it into a box. Like, literally a little cube that he then encrypts with what he calls, what is called the Eternity Code, which is just unbreakable yeah. shit. Oh, and the, the cube, he was only able to build the cube, which is basically a supercomputer, because he had kept some of the stolen fairy tech uh, from the first book. Yeah. When he kidnapped Holly. Yeah, and Artemis basically is holding in his hands, leaning back in a big chair. Well, 
I've conquered the fairies. I've conquered the human world because I have so much fucking money. God, what else am I going to do? You know what? Let's make one more super illegal crime deal for old time's sake. I think it goes out of his way to point out Artemis does not need to do this thing. Like, he's making a deal with a crim- with another, like, criminal lord. Actually, no real reason for it besides his uh, own kicks. I think so. And unfortunately, this is where Artemis finally gets, like, the better... Or someone gets the better of Artemis. Um, he... What the hell is the other guy's name? Spyro? Um, Spiro? Uh, Spyro, yeah. Spyro? Yeah, I think his name is, like, Spyro. The, the other one's name, a Pokemon, but... so either way. Spyro the dragon? <laughs> Uh, so Spyro <laughs> winds up getting a one-up on Artemis and steals the box from him during this deal. And he, I think he also like oh, leaves him and no. Butler for uh, dead. Yeah, Butler is like again pretty close to dead. Butler's fucked. A recurring theme. God, no. Butler seems like the only. He seems like a weird, like re- redeemable shit. But they go out of their way to say Butler kind of thinks Artemis might be crazy, but he has a sworn oath to protect Artemis no matter what, so he will do right. that job until he is dead. Lawful Basically. Evil. Like, Butler's really... Butler is a good guy. There's this, like, subplot that goes along with all the books where he has a little sister who's also training to be a butler whose name is Juliet yeah. Butler. Oh. And she's my favorite, because she fucking... She won't stop talking about wrestling. She <laughs> even... the best. <laughs> she wants to be a butler so she can do a fucking like uh, at some point she just quits goose. doing butler shit to go to Mexico and be a luchador or something yeah she's so good <laughs> incredible uh, but she actually does play a part in this book too because hey guess what uh, another human who isn't me Artemis has every fairy secret ever yo he calls Apollo he goes yo Shit's only bad. assuming that Spyro can crack the code. But he has the box which contains all the information. Yeah. He shouldn't be able to crack the code, but it's still not good for him to have. And so naturally he calls yeah. he calls him up. He calls up the fairies. And the fairy goes, uh, yeah, what's up? Yo, this dude's got all your information. Why does he have all our information? Because I I kind of I put it in a box. Why the fuck did you do that, Artemis? Artemis is like, I don't know, man. I just wanted to. And so the fairies come up. He's like, all right, we'll help you. But goddamn it, we're wiping your brain this time. And we're taking the box back. And Artemis is like, in a moment of actual, like, real character growth, Artemis goes, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have all this information. Because if I have it, other people can have it. And if they do, they're going to destroy the fairy world. So maybe it's best for the human race. Well, except for he's fucking lying and had a plan the whole time to get out of the, the mind wipe again. No, he has like, yeah. Yeah, no, he has a contingency, but he has an amount of growth saying, yeah, this dude can't have right. this or he'll kill you all. So let's get it back. And then you can wipe me. And so the rest of the book winds up being this big, this big old heist. And it's a lot of fun. A lot of characters. They wipe, they wipe Artemis <laughs> and company and all's better, I guess. Until it's fucking not. Guess what? Opal Kaboy yeah. is coming back. Yeah, from here on out, she ends up being oh boy, an antagonist in almost every book. She's an antagonist yeah. in like every other book, and this is where so we're on to book uh, what is this is book four, the Opal Deception four. Yeah, and this is where she starts going crazy, but she's still sane enough 
yeah, she's still a genius. Really cool shit. Like faking that she's in a coma yeah, several for years. Years. She's just been fucking meditating and able to control her brain waves yeah. to convince people that she's in a coma. And because she's in a coma, they can't like properly arrest her or put her on trial. So for all intents and purposes, she is free just in in a self-induced coma. She winds up even in this comatose state, getting some lackeys to replace her with a clone of her, like a shitty, crummy clone of her, so that she mm-hmm. can escape. And this is under like insane, crazy levels of security. It's like 24 hour surveillance, DNA t- tests done every couple of hours on the hour. Uh, she has like something implanted inside yeah. of her, like a tracker, to make sure she doesn't leave. And she gets through and she, all of this. She planned this out years in advance. And she was, she's been waiting in this yeah. coma, or this fake coma, for four years to wait for her clone to grow so that she can uh-huh. have her, uh, her cronies replace her with the clone. It's just this unbelievable level of commitment. Yeah, uh, and you may be thinking, well, that just sounds like she's really fucking smart. She doesn't sound crazy yet. Well... The reason why she wants to escape is to get revenge on the people who wronged her. Mm-hmm. Understandable. I mean, you're you know, you're a criminal, but you yeah, know, sure. I get it. How am I going to enact revenge on this relatively small group of people who 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 did me wrong? Hmm. Oh, I know. I'll start the human fairy race war that will annihilate both species forever and ever. She very specifically, in no fewer words, wants to start fairy genocide. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she starts this. Holy And I remember fuck. this very vividly because this is in one few chapters of the book. She starts this by going after Commander Root. She basically, ah, I don't remember exactly how she gets Root and Holly together to chase her or to chase whatever. But those two are alone in like a room. And then very suddenly this big dumb metal box straps itself to Commander Root's chest. And Opal appears on the screen like, hey, guess what? This box is going to fucking blow up if you don't shoot this really tiny target right here. And it's a very small light just underneath the screen where she goes, Holly, you got to shoot this. You got to shoot this or he'll die. And so Holly goes, that's fucked up. So she shoots it and she hits it perfectly. But Opal goes, sucks that you missed. And Holly's like, wait, what? No. And yeah. then Commander Root blows up and dies. For that's real, it. fucking that's dead. Per- that's the oh. first permadeath? And this happens, I think. Yeah, that's the first, like, big real death of the series. And it yeah. happens within one of the first few chapters of this book. And I remember, I vividly remember reading this when I was younger and going like, what? I just started reading this. What's happening? <laughs> so not only does Root die, but because the box was built with a material that's invisible to cameras, it just looks, from Holly's own camera, her helmet cam, it looks like she just shot Commander yeah. Root to death. So now, oh, Holly looks no. guilty as fuck as in, and um, is on the run. So she, she goes to her old pal Artemis for help, but he's, yeah, he's still mind, Except, oh, mind no. wiped from the last one. wiped him. Um... So a, a big amount of the plot is trying to figure out how do I need the ruthless bastard Artemis Fowl back. I need that brain who knows everything well, and, so I don't have to catch him up on that's bullshit. That's what the mind wipe did. How do I do that? 
it, the my way basically erased all the character development when he, he went from being yeah, a dick. total dick to a somewhat helpful friend of the fairies. So he's still a total dick. And now he's a total dick. She again. finds Artemis, because... who has no memory of all this. Oh, no. Um, and even when she tells him, he's like, I, I don't fucking remember. But he's like, I'll help you if you pay me. Yeah. Yeah, he's such a piece of shit. Because, and they, they mention it very, I think they explicitly mention it either in the book before it or this book, where normally a mesmer, oh, it's meant to like erase what you know of someone from like a little bit, right? Oh no, this person saw a fairy. Okay, mind wipe them for the last five minutes. Nothing really changes. Yeah. Artemis has known for like three years. They had to wipe three years of information from his brain. So he's set back. In every way, shape, and form, but he's still, you know, this genius. Oh my god, I I never thought about that. Like, if you mind wipe someone to get rid of all of their knowledge of something, and it's been a long time, does that basically like mind like reverse their mind back to a state of when they were that age? In this case, that's effectively what it does. What it did is it replaced everything in his brain that had to do with fairies with something else. Right. So. Oh, okay. It's not like he's fourteen and thinks he's eleven, but, okay, but like all gotcha. the all the big you know right. bonding sort of things that happen, all the the goodwill that he earned for himself, that's gone. Or the part of his personality that isn't a piece of shit anymore was so closely tied to everything to do with fairies that that had to go. It's gone. He's a bad person again. Oh, uh, gosh. But it does it does bring up this part. Where she basically, she's like ringing Artemis, like, I know you, damn it. You have a thousand backups for everything. And Artemis goes, yeah, that does sound like me. You know what I would have done if I were in this situation? And he, te- he basically says, I would have given something to, like, the troll or to the dwarf. Yeah. And so Holly goes, motherfucker, I gotta find Mulch again. So she finds Mulch. And Mulch is like, oh, yeah, he totally gave me this disc. Which was literally filled with hours upon hours upon hours it's made very explicitly clear you cannot reverse the mind wipe that happens after opal throws artemis and holly into the troll den right oh maybe i don't remember a lot of that it's it's this basically broken down theme park underground where all the trolls live and they have to not get I do remember that. murdered yes. by all these bloodthirsty beasts. She, she's like, yo, why are you named after yeah. a Greek goddess? Aren't you a dude? And Artemis is like, come on. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because one of, the, one of the theme park attractions was the Temple of Artemis. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So this is where Mulch goes, I got this disc. I don't know what's on it because I never watched it. And Artemis is like, yeah, I can probably figure it out. So he gets on it, and again, you cannot reverse, and Artemis knows this, so instead of reversing the mind wipe, he just explains everything he knows to his future self, knowing that he'd see it at some point. So it's literally, I think it's like a couple of files says, for Butler, for Juliet, for Artemis. And so going through for Artemis, it's Artemis going, it's Artemis explaining to himself his entire character arc, to the point where this 14-year-old Artemis, who has his shitty 11-year-old mindset, comes out of that room after watching, goes like, Yo, I'm sorry. <laughs> because he, he realizes that, like, the only person he could trust is himself. And so if 
himself is the one telling him all this. It, it must be true, and then it all comes back or something. He, he definitely breaks the I, mind wipe by triggering that things might be in true. each person. That might be right. For Butler, it he was might, might right telling him his true name, which is Domovoy. He told Artemis what he thought he was dying. Oh, yeah. He would only tell Artemis if he... Yeah. He would only have told right, Artemis that if he was about to die, which happened in freezer. one of the previous books. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was the Eternity Code, yeah. <laughs> I remember exactly what you're talking about. It means nothing anyone listening, <laughs> but I know you. I, I was going to say, fish freezer. Yeah, all right. And yeah, so he comes. So Artemis comes out and he goes, Holly, I'm sorry for kidnapping you like four, three, four years ago. That's pretty fucked up that I did that. And so this is where sort of that character progression is locked in, you know? It was, it was reaching this point, and then it got ripped away, and now it's locked in. Artemis is a officially, yeah. for sure, okay person. <laughs> we've made it. We've climbed the ladder all the way to tolerable. <laughs> Excellent. It only took us four books. Oh, boy. So meanwhile, through all this, Opal Koi Opal Cowboy has been, uh, boy. you know, she, she let them be busy with all that <laughs> shit while she uh, enacted her plan to basically introduce the fairies to humans, start a war, uh, which would ultimately lead to genocide of all fairies or all humans. Genocide. Or both. Either way, that would or that both. would leave her literally in any a of these options huge position of power and just revenge generally. I also appreciate I appreciate the idea. Opal, I think specifically, didn't she didn't have any plans to incite a war. She just had plans to introduce the humans to the fairies, knowing for a yep. fact that humans would declare war on them within the hour. <laughs> Which I mean. That's the that's the basis for a lot of series when they're like, we have to hide from the humans or else they'll just fucking kill us. Yeah. Now, I don't actually remember how this sort of ends. They just, like, find Opal. Haha, we got you now, and then they... Yeah, they, like, smack her a few times, just like, hey, knock it off. Does Butler get to elbow drop? Butler's actually getting old. So Butler almost died three times in the last four books. And as it turns out, even though he got healed by fairy magic, it still takes a toll on him. I think they there's a point specifically where they say he's only like I don't remember his exact age. Yeah, right. He's only forty something, but he has the body of a sixty something year old. Oh, geez. just because of this advanced sort of re- repair system that his body has had to go through time and time again. So Butler's not the man he used to be. He's not fighting a troll. <laughs> he's still he's still really cool, and he's still very much this like wall that Artemis can lean on both for like literal physical ability and for, you know, actual support. He, he provides a good bouncing off point where Artemis will throw like crazy shit. And Butler will be like, sure about that. And Artemis is like, ah, fuck, I'm not anymore. So the, the book that follows next is the lost colony. And I'll be completely honest with you. I remember nothing from this book except for the Sharingan dimension. I remember the, the demons all trapped out of, time so so what do you what do you mean by sharingan dimension okay so uh 
this is always what I envisioned in my brain, but not. I learned about the Sharingan later, and I made that connection afterwards. I'm just like, hey, this is like that Artemis Fowl thing. Um, <laughs> that's where I was at in life. Yeah, so, so, so basically, the 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 demons, which are a lost race of fairies, are banished to this uh, dimension that exists out of time. But I think like once in a while, there are little connections that form between uh, this island that the demons live on and some random point in the history of the rest of the world. Yeah. Right. Like there, there's an intersection long enough that people can go in and out if, you know, if they wanted to. And I actually don't remember how, because there is like this plot with this girl Minerva, who is effectively a girl version of Artemis, who is being this, you know, genius asshole trying to commit crimes. And Artemis kind of, I think Artemis winds up just kind of running into her on trying to mm -hmm. down the and making sure they don't fuck the world up or something. He's not like quite a superhero or anything, but he wants to make sure they don't escape and do crazy bullshit and ruin everything. So he wants to get, contain them. But I think like Minerva comes along and kind of just like fucks with them a little bit. A little bit less important, I think. Or I think she might also be after the demons. I don't really remember. I do remember that Artemis and Butler and probably Holly as well get slurped into the demon world, which is the Sharingan dimension. And they spend like yeah. the rest of the book there. Uh, it, a lot of it is sort of just like this tension of, okay, you have the demons and the demon king. They're in their, the, the, our heroes are in their world. How are they going to escape? And the main thing I remember is the demon king saying something along the lines of, ha, us demons, because we've intersected with the real world so much, we've mastered weapons. We, we have mastered magics that you humans and fairies could not imagine. We have the greatest magic, like this gun. And he pulls out a fucking revolver <laughs> or something. Isn't the whole thing with the demons that they despise magic? Because there something used like to that. be a subsect of demons that were warlocks. Um, and the warlocks are the ones that stranded their island. What was it called? Hybris or something? The, that sounds right. They they blame the the warlocks. I think that's right for stranding them basically in in limbo, time limbo. Um, so they hate magic, and they've got this one, the leader demon who actively, you know, tries to brainwash all the younger demons. Yeah, to like believing his shit. Uh, but it, it turns out like during the the ceremony when they were transporting the island to limbo. He tried to interfere and ruined the whole thing, and that's why it got fucked up. And then he got fused with one of the yeah, spirits yeah, yeah, yeah. of the the warlock demons, and so he has he has the magic of that that warlock in him now. Yeah, it is pretty much. It's a very yeah. video game final boss thing, but I think ultimately the mo the important thing to know is that when they come out, it's three years later, and you know it's three years later because Butler meets them and he has a beard. And he oh, goes, no! Artemis, you have twin brothers now because yeah. your mom gave birth to twins. They will not be important for the rest of the series until they're And even then, I don't think they're important, but they exist. Uh, so the next book, hey, are you sick of time shenanigans yet? Because we're going back to time shenanigans. Artemis yeah. fell in the time paradox. Hey, remember asshole 11-year-old Artemis? How do you think he was when he was like nine? Did anyone ask this question? No. Too bad. 
Because now we're getting this very, very fun plot of Artemis has to, for some reason, Artemis has to, Artemis winds up having to go back in time to stop Opal. Artemis fouls, uh, his, his mom is dying of some disease. And it turns oh, out... Yeah, his mom's Yeah. Sick. The only cure... Of, of magic disease. Is, is this uh, protein or something... Is in the past. That only was found in this one lemur. And that lemur was made Witch. extinct by Artemis several years ago. So he's like... Yeah. So he's like, oh, shit. Oh, you're kidding me. Fucking little fucking uh, baby... Little baby he me. Artemis just damning himself like, God damn it, me. He single-handedly made an entire species extinct. He killed the last one. It was in danger. And oh. he's like, God damn it. I was such a little shit. Yeah. He literally sells the last one to a group, and I'm not making this up, yeah. a group called the Extinctionists. For money. For like, for money. Because fuck, Artemis is so evil. His mother dies of a disease that can only be cured by that fucking lemur. Yeah. So now, Artemis has to go back in time to get the to save this lemur from himself, which means we get an amazing entire book of this older, wiser, nicer Artemis <laughs> dealing with shitbag, dirt yeah. fuck, asshole, <laughs> evil, younger Artemis. And at every single turn, older Artemis is like, why is he such an asshole? Why is uh, he such an asshole? Who did this? It's, it, it it's is amazing. Fantastic. Well, you know what else is amazing? And the other main thing I remember from this, uh, so, you know, Holly and Artemis have grown quite close over yep. a billion different life-threatening situations. So in the past, uh, they've, you know, they've, they've swooshed themselves into the past for, uh, Holly came for, reasons because she's a friend now at this point artemis i think artemis almost young kills artemis. artemis uh as per his character kidnaps holly <laughs> the whole the whole fucking thing that started <laughs> the first book it, i do like how it is heavily 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 uh implied at the end of the book that this is the event that gets artemis interested in fairies right. in the first place and, so it's like it a, it's out, like a, you know, a self-closing the, the mind right. wipe that happens at the end of this um, book to younger artemis is the only one that actually sticks it doesn't take oh, yeah, that, that's enough. the one that sticks but not enough because <laughs> he still has he still has yeah. fairies on the mind and that's what leads into the the beginning of the series so how so Holly gets captured. Artemis almost dies again. They wind up... I don't remember how exactly they get to the situation, but Holly escapes in some way, saves Artemis, heals him, and then, in a moment that very, very much confused young Jesse and confuses him to this day, because I haven't mentioned this yet, 80. Holly's like a couple hundred years old, right? Because fairies age differently. Uh, she's 80. Okay, she's old. Whatever. She's yeah, biologically, human she's years, like, like late teens. So, it, it's kind of how elves yeah. and all that grow. Right. So she's she's young as a fairy, but still like 80. This all leads to, again, a point in the book that confused Jesse when he was younger and continues to confuse him as he's older. Upon, <laughs> Holly, upon saving Artemis, gives him a fat old kiss on the lips. And oh. even when I was younger, I'm just like, that's weird. Yeah. That shouldn't happen. <laughs> 
And I want to, I want to hail Mary this before it comes out. The the Artemis Fowl movie comes out in four days. They have made it very, very, very clear that Holly is twelve, not just like comparatively twelve. No, she is twelve years old. Okay. I am hail Mary calling oh, this. For sure. They're gonna have them Mac at the end. Holly and Artemis gonna kiss at the end. I don't know how, but they're gonna. And they made that change so they could do it early, and so it would be less weird. Anyway. I'm uncomfortable. Um, yeah, it's very uncomfortable. But so we move on. Oh yeah, so the extinctionists are being shits, and it turns out Opal Gaboy is helping them or whatever. Actually, you know what? No, this is a younger Opal. This is not the Opal in our timeline. It just happens yeah. to be that Opal yeah, you're right. was doing the shit with the extinctionists even back then. Oh, right. No, because so like they get the lemur, they get the blood or whatever lemur, and then bail into the future. But Opal follows them into the future. So so now, you know, keep in mind, there's two Opals in this future now. Yeah. Or in the present, I guess. Oh, dear God. And the one who follows them, I don't know how she does it. I don't remember how she does it. But yeah. she fucking possesses Artemis's mom. Yeah, that shit was weird. I think she, like, uh, hypnotizes her or something. I don't know. I don't remember how that works. But it's... Oh, no, there was time bullshit. Hold on. No, my brain's unlocking. So... Because of the way the time loop worked, Opal appeared two days before Artemis and Holly left. And then she took over uh, Artemis' mom's body. Oh, right. Got them convinced that she right. had this fairy disease so right, that they would leave. The, the disease was just. There's uh, a lot Opal of time bullshit in these two books. I don't making, know why. It's uh, crazy. The symptoms. It was bullshit. Yeah, the disease was bullshit. Um. Oh, I don't even remember what Opal's like endgame plan here was because this is a past Opal who just wants to uh, fuck. <sighs> Shit. I don't remember. Oh um, man, I really. I, of course, of all things, this I don't remember. Let's see. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, regardless, they kick Opal out of Artemis' body and like fight her off. She doesn't die because, of, of course, she doesn't. Yeah. She's fucking why would she? This might also be the only book that Mulch doesn't appear in, when I think about it. No! Worst book. Sorry. Really? I don't make the rules. I don't remember him appearing. I also don't know when he would. This book definitely does a lot of that weird timeline stuff. <laughs> oh, these characters all knew each other yeah. way back when, but they didn't remember it for some reason. It's that kind of weird thing. It's a little fan service. Yeah, I won't lie. Yeah. A lot of time things suffer from that, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah, now we move on to the Atlantis comic, which... This is where Artemis now starts going crazy. Because... And he has split personality disorder, among other things. Yes. He has, like, OCD. Uh, he's super paranoid all the time. Yeah. He's, been, he's having, like, a real bad trip. And it's, it's very literally because humans are not designed to be interacting with magic in the ways that he is. Mm -hmm. He literally has magic in his system. He should not have this. This is not okay. Yeah. But it's there, and it's causing this, like, ancient fairy disease to be rattling his brain. And I'm pretty sure the majority of this, the plot of this book is just, you know, revolves around uh, getting, like, curing him. But the problem is, because we cannot let it go, Artemis is, like, 11-year-old shit that's still in his brain, kind of, like, rears itself in this multiple personality disorder. So that occasionally, Artemis will just, like, switch back yeah. to being a fucking twat. Yeah, so there's the, the one personality that's old Artemis, and then the one personality that's like super 
like over the top sweet stupid Artemis or something. It's it's like that uh it's like the left brain right brain Bo Burnham skit. Yeah, okay. I got you. Where he's basically split right down the middle. He's like hit all of the compassion he's learned over the last few years versus all that cold calculating evil that he was are just like now at odds with one another and have uh, manifested themselves as different personalities, different people entirely within his brain. And he just consistently right. like swaps back and forth. Yeah, I definitely like the, the first books more than any of the later ones. Yeah, I, I like the yeah. Time Paradox a lot because it does a lot of weird, wacky shit that I was super into. But boy, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's just because I haven't read it. Like, oh, I, I think we should at least I mean, if try and... Want, we can end it there. Because this is second to last of the main yeah, there's one more book left I, I think it actually winds up ending with Artemis going to they don't cure him of the Atlantis complex but he starts going to like therapy so it's sort of like a uh, like gradually they will lessen its effect right. on him um, and now uh, oh look at the time Opal hasn't been in a book in a while guess it's time <laughs> for her to come back uh, in the appropriately titled The Last Guardian <laughs> Yeah, this is where it gets whack. <laughs> so remember how there's two opals now? Yes. This is wrong for a thousand reasons. Of course. For some reason. I'm trying to think of like the most sensible way to explain this. So Opal hires she has she has her like cronies kill right. her past. Right. Well, opal. so the the reason is um opal's inventions um from those those years uh after so basically past opal in i guess the original timeline is supposed to go back to her time and create all these inventions right so she creates all these uh, microchips and shit which end up leaking into the human world and being used in all sorts of new phones and stuff. So the idea is all this human technology has uh, parts created by Opal after she was returned to her time. So future Opal thinks, well, I can create a paradox by killing old Opal. Right. Killing myself before I go back. And again, this is that sort of gradual. It's not even all that gradual. It's kind of sudden. Opal is fucking cracked at this point. (laughs) Like she is officially at a level of, I know I'll kill myself, which will create a paradox, which will kill everyone else. That's where Opal is right now. That's the level of insane villain we're dealing with. Got it. Chaotic evil. Like to the nth fucking degree. It's actually <laughs> Opal's my Opal's one of my favorites. She's fucking bonkers, but she's competent. Yeah, and that and time paradox she causes she kills all these self. electronics in both the fairy and the human world to just stop working, and it and explode. And stop working. Basically, and her explode. parts have been they blow up in every almost every single thing like that exists. So it creates a global blackout for the fairies and humans. Oh my god. It it set, it like sets back technology a decade. Good Easily. lord. It's 
this is as this is probably as close as we get to um like an apocalypse and it's not even anything that you could have like predicted from the beginnings so um when the paradox happens new opal like present day opal it also becomes a paradox so she kind of explodes except she was put into yeah she was put into a nuclear reactor she had a contingency for this as well so like she turns herself into (laughs) what is going on i don't even know how to describe it like some (laughs) fucking ghost god energy thing listen opal's plan is literally to become the deus ex machina like, like we get, we're fucking, we're fucking Evangelion at this point, which is wild considering where this book series started. But yeah, exactly, and it just gets fucking crazy. Opal is insane. Yeah, well, so she she uses her her new form, which is basically a ball of fucking nuclear energy, to unlock this. Uh-huh. spiritual gate and behind the gate are all these warriors of fairies or like um the ghosts of fairy warriors that were killed in this old battle which just happens to be right under artemis's house oh that's right and so so all these fucking ghosts come out of the ground <laughs> and that. possess any living thing they can find <laughs> Yeah, dogs and oh, yeah. squirrels no, and shit. No, it's fucking the Scooby Doo movie. And, and Artemis's Good younger Lord. brothers. <laughs> it, they they can possess corpses too. So uh, all kinds of dead Artemis's ancestors. Yeah, like the crypt, like uh, the the last season of Game of Thrones. Artemis's brothers, who are like six, fucking attacking artemis's home it's it is fucked everything's fucked opal's gone nuts and i at some point artemis i don't like i don't want to like just kind of jerk into this mo to this point because it is important artemis and holly you know find ways to stop all this crazy shit because they uh i don't exactly remember how i just remember that something to do with like locks yeah there's several locks that only opal can do or something but basically artemis winds up having to sacrifice himself in some way shape or form and it doesn't like i don't know if it's intentional or not i don't remember if it's intentional but because he has to do something and doing this like destroys every fairy within a certain distance and artemis is like oh i'm not a fairy i'll be fine but he does it and artemis still has fairy magic in his system and so, yeah, because so, Artemis has, like, that little bit of... Literally, yeah. it, this kills him. Artemis dies. Straight up. Uh, so, this, is a, this is still a children's series, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> when did we lose you? Was it book five? I'll be completely honest. I kind of got lost around book four. That's about right. But it's really um, teaching me that I should read this series. Because it's kind of wild. Don't worry. Artemis yeah. die, but we have the power of clones. So, oh my god! There, there is this like honestly cheesy. It is so dripping in fan service, so up its own ass that I should hate it. But it's so like 
I don't know what it is. I cannot help but love it. where they so they clone Artemis, but unfortunately, and it's a specific. It's a clone from a specific time. It's like a clone from maybe like I don't know a little bit before uh, he died. Unfortunately, this clone has a a bout of memory loss. Something to do with like Artemis's soul slurps itself into the body, but he like loses his memory. And so Holly goes, "Okay, well, <clears throat> let me tell you your story." And so the last line of the book is Holly reciting the first yeah. lines of the first book to Artemis. And that is the most dr- absolutely dripping fan service thing ever. And it's so, it's almost despicable. But fuck me, I remember reading that and I'm like, damn, they really did it. <laughs> and I had like, a big ass smile on my face, man. I can't even lie. I should I I know for a fact I should hate that, but I can't. I love it. It's actually the best. And yeah, it's oh literally this so this book is literally designed to be the very last um, Yeah. It's the culmination of Artemis's uh turn into goodness where he be he went from a kid who would literally do the most evil things imaginable to get what he wanted to someone who sacrificed himself for the greater good for the world. But I will say it is the the first several books, or if nothing else, the first book is undeniably great. Like, it's it's such a good just start. Yeah, from from how you described it, it seemed like such a solid piece of work. So there's a couple other books, the spinoffs. There's the Artemis Fowl Files. I don't know if you read that one, Jesse. I haven't. That's like a lot more of the sort of work stuff though right it, it is it's um i haven't read it either but according to this it's one of one of them is about mulch diggums of course because nice. he's he's the best the fucking og yeah i think it's just one of his little heists to steal nice. things the other one is a, a a prequel of uh how holly short um joined the lep oh that one actually sounds interesting I mentioned yeah. I, I want to read that one actually. Yeah, I'd like to read those. Uh, so now the most recent addition to this series came out late 2019. So you know, like seven months ago. Uh, it's called the Foul Twins. It's um, obviously it stars Artemis's younger brothers um, at about the same age he was at the beginning of his first book. So 11 or 12, except one of his his uh, brothers. Miles is almost a clone of how Artemis was at that age, except smarter. Like, smarter. Oh. Oh, smarter. no. Smarter? Smarter? Like, the whole thing is, okay. it, makes, it makes Artemis sound... What? That reminds me of, like, the end of Death Note. I was gonna say, this. this uh, there's a lot of this that does remind me of Death Note. Like, Scott, I don't know if you've seen Death Note, but, like, the a lot of the, like, uh, well, you were gonna do this, but I had a contingency plan the entire time. Like I, that that's very like yeah. all he knows for Death Note stuff. But that that pretty much wraps up every bit of Artemis Fowl written media. Yeah, that's not funny. Dang. That <laughs> that was quite Yeah. Quite quite a quite a double. There's a lot. There's a lot to it. Let's let's do a time loop. I I specifically held back on it. <laughs> time loop back to the beginning. Back. Let's do the time warp again. 
So remember way yeah. in the beginning, we we're talking about the book, right? Yeah. Not like the books we read, but the fairy book, that Bible. And how it's written in a language that is only, yeah. it's, it's written in Gnomish, the fairy language. In every single Artemis Fowl book, on the, I believe the top, I can always grab one, right? Uh, on the bottom of every page is the oh. Gnomish language. And if you go across the entire book, there's, it's everywhere. Yeah. And it's not random. You can oh translate this into a message. Every, every single book has a secret Easter egg message That's in so Gnomish. incredible. Uh, and they, they generally will vary to like, you know, uh, it, it's usually just like, like a message about the book itself. It'd be neat if it was like a, a kind of spoiler about the ending. Yeah, but like you would have to actually like, and I did this. I did this for the figuring out what everyone, because the first book has a few, has like a page. Yeah where it directly translates gnomish to english it takes like a, a huge chunk of gnomish and it spits out like what how artemis translated that and it's a little fucked up in how it's translated because it's supposed to be so i took that and i one-to-one -one <laughs> wrote down what every symbol meant how it corresponded to a letter and it's interesting because it's not like that direct like there are like direct symbols to letters but there's also weird little things like Occasionally, there'll be squiggly lines underneath words, and that stands for there's an E here. But it's not in the word itself, it's just underneath some letters. So there's a lot of cool... It's not like a super direct translation. You have to actually... You have to work for it. And I did that for like three books. But that is amazing. The fact that there's an actual code you can decipher throughout all the books. Would you like a fun fact? There was a game made for the Nintendo DS... Uh, it is basically a virtual book uh, that contains <laughs> all the books from the first one through the time paradox. And I'm reading this from the Artemis Fowl wiki. Uh, it allows the reader to play games such as quizzes to go further and further through the stories. And it also features interviews, bonuses, and character profiles to be unlocked. What the <laughs> hell is this? I'm looking at it right now. It's literally just interactive six book developed by EA. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Oh, uh, and the podcast. Guys, we spun it. We spun it around. We got the video games, even on the topic of Artemis Fowl. All right. Anyway, thank you guys so much for stopping in for Tales of the Hub World. This has been our first episode of Lord Dove. We talked about Artemis Fowl. Expect an episode in the future where we are going to rant, either good or bad, or in the middle about the movie that's coming out. Oh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a wonderful time. I don't have the intro or the exit theme, and neither does our our editor for this episode. So I'm not gonna even mention the thank you to that. Um, Thank you to Silence for being our opening and our exit uh, song. But uh, thank you guys for listening all the way up to this point. Uh, we thank you. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next time you arrive in the hub world. Goodbye. <laughs>